The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Nadia Dela Cruz, founder of the Wayne Dyer Wisdom community on Facebook and angeltarot.org. Now, this podcast would not be possible without support from loyal fans like you. So I want to give a big thank you to everyone who supports me on Patreon. You can find the link for that and more details about this podcast at NadiaDelaCruz.com. Now, my guest today knows firsthand the impact that a spiritual connection can have. Through navigating a series of personal tragedies early on in her life, she discovered and strengthened this connection to the healing energy of spirit. She's currently a Reiki master and the author of three books, including Inner Space, A Personal Journey to Help and Heal. Tracy Pagana, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Nadia. And I do love your name, Nadia Dela Cruz. It's a beautiful name. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Now, we have sort of been circling each other's orbit for a couple of years. I know that you've been in the group and like we had some messages that got lost, but we finally got connected. And I'm so glad that we did. And as we spoke about earlier, it does feel like um, divine timing. So I'm excited to dive into your story. And to hear a little bit about your journey, I know you're a huge fan of Wayne Dyer, just like I am, feeling his presence in your life, but you actually discovered a spiritual connection when you were quite young, probably too young to even understand what was happening. So why don't we start at the beginning and maybe you can tell us about the first time you felt that nudge of messages from spirit. Okay, thank you. Well, I was around 10, and the little neighbor boy that lived uh, across from us in a little farm, uh, there was a tobacco field, and there was an irrigation pond in the tobacco field. And he drowned in the the pond, and I was frantic because when his brother came screaming for us to come and, and find his brother, I had already... I already knew he was gone. I, I could feel him gone. And um, that was my first experience of knowing that something inside of me was bigger than I understood. And also knowing that what they were going to pull out, I already saw. So um, it was really frightening. It was very scary because he didn't look well when they pulled him out, but I'd already seen that. And um, that just that kind of awakened me into a place I didn't know if I wanted to go because it was scary. And, but it, it just continued on as I, um, as I, as I grew older, my sister had, uh, an emergency appendicitis attack and I was frantic and I was trying to tell my parents there's something really wrong with her and they were trying to calm me down. 
And I, I knew that she had to go to the hospital immediately or if something would have happened that wasn't, um, wouldn't have been good for her. And that just continued on. So it just sort of evolved kind of that way. And it's hard when you're a kid too because it's so easy to get dismissed and like, yeah. oh, you're just a little kid. Um, it reminds me of the story of Wayne Dyer trying to save his brother. Do you remember that story when um, when they were kids and his brother um, got swept away in the river and he ran to, it was like the the boathouse or something and was like, help, help, help my brother, my brother. And he's like, I don't know how I like found the strength to like insist that they needed to do this, but, but they did, they pulled him out of the water and I think he was unconscious too. Like they brought him back to life, but that makes me think about what it's like to be a little kid, especially when you're impacted by spirit and um yes like who's gonna believe you you know right oh the kid's just acting up but mm-hmm. and like you said that scary image of seeing the boy yeah I mean that's not something you want to see so did you understand what was happening then or was it only sort of later on I didn't understand what was happening then I knew it was something different I always knew that I knew things but I, you, as you say, you don't really want to talk about them because, first of all, people think you're not right, <laughs> and and um, secondly, it's scary when you when you confirm that to somebody else, it actually confirms it deeper to you. So if you deny real. it even yeah. to yourself, right, it makes it more real. Mm-hmm. So if you deny it, you don't have to be accountable for it. Mm. So I, I didn't know until I think when I really, really knew um, Nadia was when I lost my boyfriend who died in a car accident. Um, he was I love this guy. He was like my high school like crush. So I kind of stalked him a little bit for a few years. I was really <laughs> shy and I always kind of thought he was really cute. He wasn't available. But um, he did notice me in my last year of high school and we had a very passionate very short seven months together. Mm. And I always, I just loved him. And I always knew, and he loved me too. It was just this beautiful, we had this beautiful connection. But I always, I always had a feeling I wasn't going to be able to keep him. And what 17 year old says, please, um, you know, don't ever die until, you know, if you ever get in an accident, I don't want you to ever die until you see me. Like, really, who says that? So I almost had a premonition that what was going to happen happened. And for a long time, I held myself guilty because he was coming to see me. He was going on a school trip and he was coming to see me the night before because I had a St. Christopher's medal for him. And he got, that's when he got in the accident and the, and the chase and everything that happened to him. And, and then he died three days later. But true to form, he did wait for me to come to his bedside to see him. And I know that that connection was there. Even though he couldn't speak to me, he was with me. And the night that he died, he came to see me and he, and he visited my body. And oh. he was just, his soul was... Um, and I was very young still. It took me a lot of years to understand all that, that pain and that disconnect. I made a lot of bad choices because of that. But in full circle, it was really a beautiful gift for me when I was 18 years old, 19 years old. It sounds yeah. like he was kind of this shooting star, like bright and beautiful, but brief yeah. and 
I know Wayne, yes. Wayne Dyer has said that nobody dies before it's their time. And that's really yes. hard for us to understand when somebody dies young because it feels like they got cheated out of life or they were taken too soon. But maybe, just maybe, they they knew what they were coming here for. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe they came, Maybe they got exactly what they came for. And I used to think that death is the worst thing that can happen. But after my dad died, the strangest thing happened that like these symbols of death, like skulls and skeletons that I'd always been very adverse to. A lot of people in the spiritual community, they're like, "Ooh, look at my beautiful crystal skull. And I'm like, uh, (laughs) you know, not so much for me. And then when I lost my dad, like my feelings around all of that changed. And it occurred to me in a really sort of visceral, in-my-body kind of way that maybe death isn't the worst thing. And in fact, if we understood it, we might be celebrating for that person moving on. And that if we were to live forever here, which is not what was intended, which is not what we came for here, maybe that would be the real tragedy. But it takes a long time for us to process mm-hmm. the grief of what certainly looks like loss. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it is loss, but it certainly looks like loss when that person isn't, isn't here with us anymore. So what was that like when he visited you in spirit after he died? Um, It was beautiful. It was, I still to this day remember what it felt like. And of course it left you wanting more. I always say, What is the worst thing that can happen to a person? I say this now, um, and I say this to everybody that comes into my space. Death is really the worst thing I think that could happen to a person. But I always say, then you get to go eat candy with God. So if you're not, if you don't have any fear around that. So, uh, but I didn't feel that way. I was very afraid. I, I remember going to bed. And I remember feeling really scared, really afraid, just really in shock. And I remember a tingling just coming into my body, like just this presence just coming into my body and filling my whole body with this love that you could, I don't have any words for the love, but it was just like this insurmountable love. And then I I literally felt like he tapped me on the top of my head and I, I just went right to sleep and I slept for like 12 hours. And I don't remember dreaming. I don't remember any of that. But I do know that I do know that he was there for sure. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful gift. Thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. that with us. Well, thank you Um, for asking. This brings me to Anita Morjani. Um, I know you're Mm. a big fan of her and I am as well. And Wayne Dyer, you know, found some little story that she had on on the Internet that was written Mm -hmm. by Anita M. And he told his assistant, like, you need to find this person. And they finally found her and he brought her out to the world and encouraged her to write um, her first book, Dying to Be Me. Mm -hmm. And that book for me really changed my understanding of death. And like the way that she spoke about that space is kind of like what you were describing of the love that you felt in your body, like just being in this sea of love. And she keeps saying that, you know, on the other side is only love, only love, Mm -hmm. only love. What kind of impact did Anita have on on you? Well, when I did read Anita's book, (coughs) excuse me. 
I fell in love with her. I fell in love with her, her bright light, her innocence, her beauty, her suffering, her coming back from that, her not wanting to come back from that. And I just, I, I, I guess in some ways I could relate because I've had a lot of close encounters to death myself, never to that experience, but to actually go there and feel all that and then have to come back to that. She was really brave. So I actually literally wrote her an email because she touched me so deeply. And I always, I never believe that not anything's impossible. I don't think that way. I'm very naive and, and very sheltered good in you. a good way. Thank you. <laughs> Excuse me. So I, I wrote her an email and I always want to, I, I kind of say things like this. I believe that when you ask for something, and you're genuine with the asking, you have to have that faith that biblically when the when the woman was touching the robe of Jesus, she just needed to touch his robe and she knew she would be healed. I had that kind of feeling with Anita. I felt like if I just reached out to her and what I said to her, were, her was uh, absolutely that I'm a fan. I love you. I think you're brilliant and beautiful and sweet. Um, but I do have a, a question and I, I want to ask you a question and I'm wondering if you would join me spiritually in every session that I do from here on. Would you join me, connect with me spiritually? And um, she said yes. So I feel lots of spirit in the room when I work with spirit, but Anita's there as well because she said yes. And I've never doubted for one second she's not in my room with me. Mm -hmm. I just know she's there. She's there for all of us in a way. I feel that she's there for all of us in a way, the same way that Dr. Wayne is. And I always say Dr. Wayne out of respect, but actually he's kind of like my spiritual husband. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I just believe that all of us are attainable, both physically and spiritually. And it just ha you just have to have an open heart and you just have to be have that real faith that we're all connected to this energy. And so when Anita said yes to me, she literally answered my email and said yes. I wasn't starstruck. I was spirit struck, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's just she's just beautiful and I love her. Yeah, she is a beautiful soul and she brings so much authenticity and humility and I can only imagine how life-changing it was for her. It's almost hard to imagine the Anita before she... Yeah. So for those who don't know the story, she had end-stage cancer. She had um, tumors the size of baseballs. Huge, yeah. In her throat and under her arms. And I think she was down to like 80 pounds. And and they brought her to the hospital and they said, this is it. You know, she's, she's going to die now. And she went into a coma, but she could see and hear everything that was going on, not just in the room around her, but like she could see her brother getting on the plane to come and visit her and all these things. It's amazing. For anyone who hasn't seen mm -hmm. it, um, check out uh, Dying to Be Me by Nita Morjani. Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, she talks about how before all of this, like she, um, she lived with a lot of fear and mm -hmm. that she... Um, you know, she wanted to please other people and she didn't feel like she was living her life authentically. And she met her father in spirit who had crossed over it. She didn't have the best relationship with. But he connected with her in such a loving way and said, go back and live your life fearlessly. 
And I feel like she's she's spending all this time. Um, that's her mission. She's spreading mm-hmm. she's spreading this message and and practicing practicing what she's teaching is is to live without fear. So yeah, yeah. I'm grateful for her for her presence and her influence and her continued teachings. Her and her husband Danny, they're so cute. Yeah, he's adorable. <laughs> yes. All right. It's so- interesting because she calls him Boo, and my best friend of 35 years, I call Boo. Really? So it's just kind of it's just really she's so sweet with him and. Yeah, she's adorable. She is. We love her. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Wayne, mm-hmm. for finding her. I'm sure. Yes. I'm sure it wasn't <laughs> just Wayne, but it was time for her message uh, to reach us. And yes. And what a beautiful time. Yeah, near death experiences are are incredible. There's so many stories I think to mm-hmm. to to mill from all of that that can help us maybe understand um, our true selves a little bit better, mm-hmm. and not just what happens when we die, but like who we really are uh, in this yeah. life. Okay, so we talked about some of these early experiences that you had as a child and as a teenager when you lost your boyfriend. Um, but it sounds like these things were still a little bit new. So when did you really start to develop your connection with spiritual guidance? Well, I went through um, a very trying, hard time in my life where I was pretty much, um, I felt that I was abandoned by pretty much everyone. And um, I I don't really want to get into the details because they're very, very personal. But I do remember there was a point in my life when I remember reaching out to God and saying, "You," and feeling, not just saying, but feeling that he never left me. And that that became my spiritual family at that moment, it was like a light switch. It was like an epiphany. It was like I was dead to this world in some ways. And I reached up and I felt, I often say this, God never disconnected from me, but I mm-hmm. I disconnected from God. And I reached up and I reconnected to source and it just, it just never stopped. It just, my spiritual family became bigger than my earth family for quite mm-hmm. some time. And so a lot of people passed away that I felt them pass. I felt them with me. I felt um, it's just different there. There's, it's not judgmental. It was just, it's consistent and constant. So everything that le- left me here and let me down here, I reached up and grabbed the ring for the other energy that pulled me through everything I've been through. And it's just taught me how to love beyond love. It's taught me how to forgive every single thing in my life that is unforgivable. And it's allowed me to have the freedom to, and the education to love that differently. Mm-hmm. And that was, there and was I, this I moment in my that. life. Go ahead. Um, so I want to say that I, I totally respect your privacy and, um, you know, you don't need to share the details of everything that you've been through. I wouldn't expect anybody to do that, but correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like, um, when you needed your family and you were going through some difficulties, you felt like they weren't there for you in the way that you needed. And that rather than that being sort of your downfall, you actually connected with, with a spiritual support that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I really believe that, <clears throat> I really believe that we all have that kind of support. And I like to say yeah. we have angels, guides, and ancestors that surround us. And that's not just yeah. some 
you know, hokey little new age saying, like, I really believe that yeah. that those energies are here and accessible and that they want to support us and they want to help us. And so yeah. I know that you've experienced some darkness and some pain and sometimes feeling alone is one of the worst things that we can feel. But I got to say that the silver lining, which is more than a silver lining, it is more like a gift. In the long run, in hindsight, it can be a gift because you chose to take that experience yeah. and deepen your connection with spirit. And it's never left you. Never. It's just gotten bigger. So, and it allows me, um, it allows me to have both worlds at the same time without giving one of the other worlds up. So it allows me to be tracing when I need to be tracing. It's the, it's like, when, I always say, <laughs> Nadia, I always say this. I'm a gazillionaire in the soul world. Literally. Mm. <laughs> and I get, to, yeah. I am like a you gazillionaire. You hit the jackpot, darling. I did. And I I know I have this like Mona Lisa secret. Like I always say, they're, they're precious pearls, you know. And I have this Mona Lisa secret that I can just rise above that because I have that support system that's never let me down. It's consistent mm -hmm. and constant. That's beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. I studied with Kyle Gray. He's another Hay House author, and he talks a lot about angels. And his teachings mm -hmm. really helped me to connect more deeply with that kind of energy, which I know so many people feel or they believe in, but they sometimes they doubt their own connection or like, oh, an angel's not going to not going to mm -hmm. communicate with me. Like, why would they do that? But uh I disagree. I think angels are always with us. So when did you first discover that, that you had the ability to heal? Well, interesting enough, it, uh, again, in my naivety, um, I have to say that because I'm so plugged into that educational system or that support system, I don't look mm -hmm. for other outside support a lot. I've kind of lived my own kind of life and I'm plugged right into that. So it's not that I disrespect anybody else. I just don't feel that need to get that information anywhere because I'm constantly fed what I need. And so I actually literally get this needs to happen with this person or that needs to happen with that person. Or I literally, when someone comes for a session, I literally, Tracy steps out and spirit steps in. And so I think it just gradually oh, grew hollow bone. And I think it just gradually um, grew into that when I actually said, when I stopped saying no to source and, and just said, I signed up, whatever you want, whatever you need, whoever you bring. In fact, I didn't even want to write one book. And that's another whole story. But you know, when I say no to source, source puts me in a room in a corner and, and, and I get a little like I get in a little trouble. So I don't do that anymore. <laughs> um, I just say yes all the time and I don't even want for one second doubt it because most of the time it's not of me anyway. Most of the time it's me as a channel and a facilitator for someone that's hungry for source or some, someone that needs a message or someone that, you know, it's really not about me. It's about someone that's coming. So I think the, the secret to connecting with this awareness of spirituality is that it's not about controlling it. It's about allowing it, just like what Absolutely. you said. Absolutely. 
that we don't have to direct spirit. Spirit knows um, what's better for us and those around us Mm -hmm. more than we Mm -hmm. do. We just need to say yes, open to it and let it let it into our lives and then like wait for the miracles to happen. You know, like Wayne, Wayne used to say, you know, I am realistic. I expect miracles. And what a beautiful way to live. And I think if we all lived that way, even just a little bit, even just some of the time, it would take away so much fear. If we just had this trust that there's something bigger working through us, working for us, we say yes, we allow it. And and we we look for um, magic to manifest in ways that are even unexpected, you know? I, I love, I'm, this is so passionate and I love your passion. I get to witness miracles all, sometimes more than once a day. And in the witnessing of that miracle, when that healer is claiming the healing within them and you get to facilitate that, it is like, again, it's like winning a lottery with God. It's like you get to see someone heal and um, you it's it's more than humbling it's it just changes your life it just and then I have to leave that space and come back into Tracy and then come back and like clean a washroom at the company or enter some data or do something like that you know so you're you're pulled you know because you you need to be humbled in that because it's really not about me but I get to experience the miracles around that and I say yes to all of that it's a calling people are people really healing themselves? Because it's interesting how how you phrase that. Is it that they need to be open to it and then they are the ones allowing the healing to take place? Well, as I've evolved in my healing practice, um, I realize that, um, yes, I realize that when they come, they, there's a need for them. And so when they come, I always set the room up. I'm, I, it's sacred space. So we do, I do a ritual and it's consistent. It's the same one. I invite the same people and then I sit back and I just wait, um, for them to basically say what it is they're, they're needing or they're wanting. And I, it just, it just pours out of me. It's the same when I write, it just, it's not of me. So I, Tracy steps out and spirit steps in and they're having a conversation with spirit really. And Mm -hmm. it, it, and, and the whole thing about it is, is, it's, I can't be anything but truth. So sometimes it's not pretty and sometimes it's painful and sometimes I cry with them and sometimes they get angry and sometimes, but there's always a healing and there's always a releasing because that's why they're there. So I, so I, you're I, the, I tend. You're the facilitator. I, and the channeler. So and I do that facilitate and the channeling. Um, sometimes it's Tracy, you know, but then I find myself being opinionated with that. <laughs> and so I I pull back out and then it's again about spirit. So I'm pretty good with those kind of boundaries. I've been working a long time on them. And uh, I've been very fortunate to do the degree of work I get to do. It's that's a, amazing. That's a real um, practice. Um, now, a lot of people who do work with energy feel mm-hmm. really tired and drained and need to kind mm-hmm. of like schedule in time to recuperate afterwards. Is that true for, for you as well? It was until about two years ago, because when I started to stop taking it personally, 
and I started to filter through because I am just the filter. And no matter how devastating the things are that I'm hearing or how painful they are, I'm just the witness to that. Do I feel it with them? Absolutely. But I release as they release. I give it to God because it's not mine. So I never feel anything but exhilarated, no matter how painful the session is. I never feel anything but honored. And I never feel anything but the miracle that they've had in their own healing. Sometimes if it's really traumatic and there's after, there's people that are having after stuff, mm-hmm. I facilitate that for them too. But I always separate, separate it from myself because it's not mine. Yeah, It belongs to them and God belongs to them. It's their healing. It's not yours to carry. And I think that is, no. that's really a lesson that we all could use. <laughs> whether, whether anyone listening, if you work as a healer or not, I think it's important that, you know, we let people have their own journeys and trust that mm-hmm. there, there is benefit even in, in the moments of suffering and that, you know, when people, when people come to us for assistance, we, we, we help them as we can and we offer love, but we also kind of let the bigger forces <laughs> work, yeah. at, work, work for the highest good of all. Yeah. So um, I know that you studied as a Reiki master and there's a mm-hmm. lot of people who have gotten interested in, in Reiki over the past number of years, but um, can you tell us a little bit about what it is and how that works? I would love to. My first experience of Reiki was many, many years ago. Um, I was at a silent retreat, and I was at a seven-day silent retreat, believe it or not. I couldn't speak for seven days. It was excruciating. But there was a woman there that glowed. She like just she just glowed. And I was so attracted to her. So after the, the um, meditation was over, which was amazing, I loved it. I actually felt, oh, it was just amazing. I loved it. It was hard, but it was amazing. Um, I walked up to her and I said, I'm really sorry if I'm disrespectful, but there's something about you that glows. And she smiled and she said, that's the Reiki. And that's the first time I'd ever heard that. So this was like probably 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. maybe even longer. Yeah, I think maybe even longer, probably more like 25 years ago. Anyway, I was like driven to understand what chakras were and to find books and to see the colors of the wheels that the energy was. And so I actually got a book on chakras first Mm -hmm. and studied that. And then I got a book on Reiki and I just was really pulled to it. I was drawn to it. So one of a very, very good friend of mine who just recently passed away, who's also in session with me all the time, she bought me my first degree in Reiki as a gift And I stayed with the same woman for 11 years. It took me 11 years to get my Reiki Reiki master because I just wanted to be, I wanted to know what I want. It took me a whole year to place all the placements on me and to feel it and to understand it because I knew it was really reverent. And every time I was attuned to to a degree in Reiki, it was, it was just this magical moment for me. And it just, it's just very sacred. And uh, Reiki is healing energy and you you become the conduit so it's source it's god 
But you, your body becomes the conduit for source to work through your body, through your chakras, and it comes out your hands in a generated heat. So if I were to touch my hands right now to touch them, they'd be cold. But if I were to put my hands on you, you would you would probably feel like a furnace mm-hmm. coming inside of you. And it's so it's loving, healing energy. And again, it's source, so it has its own mind. It had it goes to the highest good of your highest being. So I'm just the wheel and the facilitator again for the Reiki to come through in a session there's a wisdom in that energy that uh you bring it and it goes where it needs to that's beautiful thank you for that that wonderful description of reiki now um there was two questions that popped up for me one was do you think it's important to detach from outcome when you're healing someone or or are you really holding that vision tight of of how you want it to be or is there about room for both? I think that the outcome is none of my business, mm. to be really honest, uh, because that, again, is sort of ego-based. So if I'm holding on to an outcome for someone and it doesn't turn out to be whatever that outcome is, I may be either oversaturated with joy for that or really depressed for that. So whatever happens to another human being or whatever another human being might feel or think about me is literally none of my business. I will just send love to the outcome because detaching from whatever that journey is after the initial healing that happens for that person, it's very, very personal for them. So it's not that I don't wish them anything but love and good, but I just feel like whatever that outcome is, it's literally really none of my business. It's their journey. And so... I mean, when they allow me in there. So I've really come to understand this, Nadia. Unless someone asks me a question, I'm usually pretty silent now if I'm in a conversation with somebody because they people just want to be heard mostly. They want to share what they want to share. And unless they ask me a question, they don't really want to know. So when I, if someone reaches out to me after a session and says, this happened to me, what can I do with this? I'm all in. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I have to detach because then there's somebody else right around the corner. And if I don't detach from that one, I might not know the other one that's coming. Yeah. Cleanse the palate, prepare for the next one. Yeah, moving on. Now, can you use Reiki on objects? Oh, well, objects? Everything is energy. So I suppose, so like a picture, if you mean a picture or somebody's stuffed animal or a blanket from a baby... Absolutely. Because like what I was thinking is sometimes I I will um, peruse Etsy as one does and there's beautiful handcrafted items. And sometimes I would see people selling, you know, like, oh, these homemade candles, for example, are are infused with Reiki. And I wonder mm-hmm. um, what your take is on that and, and like what's the benefit? Well, my take on anything spiritually given or driven, and that comes from a clean heart and connection connection from soul. Um, and I think I say this more now because I've done so much more virtual sessions that God is present just as much in the virtual session as he is in a one-on-one session. Yeah. So I've expanded that way that if someone has said there's they've held with a candle and they've held space in that candle and they've put a great big loving ball of Reiki in there, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, buy the candle. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it's it's a loving, energetic gesture of love and kindness that someone took time to put love around that for someone else to enjoy that. So I would say yes to that. 
I think of it sort of like an intention that you place in something or how like, mm -hmm. you know, our, our grandmothers would say like the secret ingredient in this dinner is love and that, you know, I don't think that was just words like they really felt like um, it's going to impact your life and your body in a positive way because they're they're putting their love in while, you know, while they're they're cooking this food for you. I love that. And it reminds me that someone told me last week, very, very kindly and gently, words are spells. And they literally are. Mm, when we come power, from, yeah. right, they are powerful. And so I always say your most powerful tool in all of life are your words or your actions, of course, if you can't speak. But they're so powerful. Mm -hmm. And if you believe what you're saying, others are going to believe that too. It's that energetic power mm -hmm. yeah yeah Wayne Dyer used to talk about the um the power of I am or I am that I am mm -hmm. which is the name of God yeah. but yeah. Uh, you know probably the the biggest influence on the spiritual community in terms of affirmations was Louise Hay right like that's mm -hmm. that's how sort of the foundation for everything that she did she had her little her little blue book. So do you have affirmations that you do on a regular basis or maybe even that you offer to clients? Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. I do, and they change. So as, as you grow in spirit, you know, your vocabulary changes. My, vo my vocabulary changes vocabulary changed a lot just after this fourth book just before you and I met I just released the fourth book to edit and I talk a lot about loving patina earned patina in a person so um and I talk about as you release to source your real estate within you becomes brand new you have brand new space brand new real estate so I'm using these words that we use but I'm using them in personal format like you become patina, you become new real estate, mm -hmm. you become, you can have all of that. So I do use a lot of affirmations. I do, I say a lot of things, phrases, they change all the time because spirit changes all the time and you grow all the time. Mm -hmm. But um, I think they're important because I think people can relate to real estate, mm -hmm. can relate to a, a piece of copper out of the ground that might be 500 years old that has a dark patina around it. That's who you are. You are this rich, beautiful human being that has earned the right to be patina. Yeah, that's a beautiful reminder. Um, you know how a lot of people have gratitude journals? Well, I mm -hmm. have this book um, that is, it's sort of a prayer book and it's sort of a gratitude journal, but I started doing this thing recently of daily affirmations and I would write out my it, every sentence begins with I am and it's mm. like whatever I feel in my heart that I that I'm moving towards in that day right or or instead of feeling like something is deficient right like I'm calling it into being and um, 
I just thought of that when I was talking to you, but I thought that might be like a good suggestion for somebody to try as a particularly a morning practice of, you know, get you into that space of, of connecting to the healing light of the divine, connecting to, you know, it's like, it's like if you check in with your body, and I think the body is a conduit for spirit. I know that's how I, that's how I receive a lot of my messages and the things that I know. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but, um, you know, if you connect with your body and you go, you know, how am I feeling? What do I need today? And that's such a, that's such a good barometer for what we need yeah. in our life. But yeah, if you could just even just write out, let's say three I am's in the morning, you know, I am well, I am perfect health. I am, mm -hmm. um, I am surrounded by more wealth than I need, yeah. you know, like, like whatever it is, it's this, these things that make you feel good. And if nothing else, it puts a smile on your face in the morning. I love that. And I also, I say I'm happy, healthy, and whole. Mm. Most of the time, I just, I am happy, healthy, and whole. But I also say this, and I'm reminded of this, because The Shift is one of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he sits up, and he, just the way he says it, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Like just three thank yous. It just, and you say them kind of slow and methodical like he did. Mm -hmm. It's reverend and it just can start your day. I love that too. I love the I am. Thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, you got mm -hmm. me to think of that because uh, it just sort of popped into my head. Now, I love that you took so much time to really process and internalize and work with that healing energy of Reiki. And I wonder because there are so many people that are studying Reiki and so many people that maybe sort of jump on that weekend class or kind of a quick mm -hmm. certification. And um, look, I believe that they're, they're, they're there with the best possible intention. So I don't mean to knock mm -hmm. that at all. It might be mm -hmm. a fabulous way to sort of learn more about that. Um, but if you are going to do healing work on others, I do think. Um, there's a lot of just time and experience that goes into that. But because it is energy work and sometimes it's hard to kind of put it into words of like how to develop the practice, um, I wonder from your perspective, what are some of the common mistakes of Reiki that people might make? Well, I think it's, it's, um, it's very addictive, okay? Because when you fall in love with spirit, you, you fall in love. So when you fall in love with Reiki, you fall in love. And there's a bit of a love sickness that goes along with that because you kind of become self-saturated in the Reiki, which is all love. And I think the common mistake might be is to speed that up, is to, is to not take the time to really feel what that feels for you and, and to really understand it and to really saturate yourself in that. Allow yourself to have some time um, in which we are all in this big hurry because we, you know, when you fall in love that quickly, you just want it all at once. And it takes time to, to really understand it and to digest it more so for yourself than anyone else. And if you're going to start a practice with that, you want to 
you're right. You want to be really careful. It's not from ego. And, and so when you fall in love, that's, there's still some ego in there. There's quite a bit of ego in there that's being saturated by all of that. And so there's a little bit of an imbalance. So my, my suggestion, I love that you all want to do that because I love that everybody is awakening to spirit and I love that everybody's hungry. So I understand the hunger for this, but just like love yourself enough to take some time to really feel what that feels like and to really understand it. Take some time. Yeah. And then you talked about how you used to feel really drained by it, but but now you don't. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for people, maybe not just with Reiki, but with, but with all um, spiritual work? So when I was really drained by it, and I literally was, I literally could feel like my heart was going to have a heart attack because it was so heavy physically. And I realized that if I didn't give that over to God and, and, and become the filter and release it and step out of the way, most people think when they step out of the way, they're being disrespectful or they're not holding mm-hmm. space for somebody or they're, they're obligated because they started this journey with somebody. They're obligated as the mature one or the one that's facilitating to take over that. And it's literally about stepping out of the way. You literally actually completely, completely cut that off and step out of the way and you release it. And when you release it, you literally feel it going. And you're not being disrespectful. You're actually loving them in a way that you didn't even understand you were loving them in by letting them go, by releasing them to that journey. It's mm-hmm. never about us. We, we get very emotionally involved when we're involved with somebody else's pain, and we have yeah. to literally separate from that. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm just sort of picturing that. I feel like I want to sit in that for a while, just that... <sighs> I mean, it's not exactly detachment, but it's more like the ultimate allowing where you almost Mm -hmm. dissolve into the ethers of of spirit Mm -hmm. without without all these attachments we have to how things should be going or or that especially as a healer, like, oh, I'm I'm supposed to be in charge here and I need to Mm -hmm. be authoritative and professional and like. I'm going to heal you, which is maybe mm-hmm. it, which is maybe it, um, maybe mm-hmm. it's an ego thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. like this need to heal. Um, Ram Dass was, uh, one of my big influences and, and he obviously studied psychology. He was a Harvard professor and, you know, um, he would talk about this sort of, uh, the, the therapist needed to have patience. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't have patience, then, then who were they? So even when we get into spiritual work, I think it's really easy to, to be guided by ego without realizing that that's what's happening. It's a big release. So it's a release for you're releasing for them and you're releasing for you. Interesting. You talk about education. Cause I often say this, I even write about this a lot. I didn't do well in worldly school. I really didn't. And that's why it took me so long to even write a book. But I went to soul school. And I talk about that all the time. Like I'm kind of in university and soul school. I'm a little bit not a university professor by any means, but I am in that level of soul school education where that's what taught me my life lessons. It was all soul school really more than it was literally earth. So not that I don't have to have that education. I'm glad I went back and got education and 
continued, you know, my studies and did what I did here. But I just feel like there's so much that we don't know that's teaching us from source that um, I always say that I, I come from that kind of soul school. And when someone's not advancing where I think they should, I kind of sweetly say, well, they're still in grade two soul school or they're still in grade four soul school. You know, we're all learning at different levels, spiritually and humanly, and, and these combinations, and we're trying to balance them both. So mm-hmm. if that does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I'm, that's kind of what I talk. Everybody's right where they need to be. And having that kind of faith can, can take you really far. Now, when mm-hmm. you work in service to others to offer healing, and I know you've told me that sometimes you will be like walking down the street and be drawn mm-hmm. to somebody who needs you. But when yeah. when you're when you're offering this to others, um, does it provide a healing energy for you as well? This is my favorite line: "When you heal, I heal." And the world heals around us. It's never one-sided. We all heal whenever you're involved in any type of healing. It's a win-win, win-win-win. We're all in it together. Um, Now, Wayne Dyer brought us together. And I know that he's near and dear to your heart. Can you tell us a little bit about... You know, what is it that you love about Wayne Dyer? You know, what kind of impact did did he have on your journey? Wayne Dyer's voice is, it's, you're in a trance as soon as he even says one word. You're just hit the power within him, the assurance, the faith, the the humor, the, he's just a, a beautiful person. He was a beautiful person. And I fell in love with him a long time ago. If I was in a bad mood, I just had to listen to one of his meditations or, you know, read one of his books. Because he didn't just, he was what he said. And he didn't make any bones about that. He he never made any bones about the reality of who he was as a person. So he was very charismatic. And he he saved me a lot of times, you know, he saved me a lot of times in his readings and his writings. And I loved Hay House. I was addicted to it. So I would watch a lot of him. And I, you know, because he was so charismatic and he was so honest, um, I fell in love with him, like all of us did. And when he passed away, I was sad. And I remember sitting at my desk at work. I had a lot of freedom at that desk. And I remember saying, okay, so here's the thing, Dr. Wayne. I always called him Dr. Wayne. You're gone now. And so you're accessible to me. So would you please marry me in spirit and be my spiritual husband? Because you're more accessible to me now in spirit than you were in flesh, even though I was always connected. And I heard him say, yes, of course. And so he's sort of been with me like a, a comfortable marriage for all those years. And everywhere I go, he's with me. And everywhere I talk, he's with me. And, and, uh, Whenever I'm speaking to someone like you, Nadia, who is so spiritually, you're my family. So we're spiritually, we're talking about our, we're talking, we're speaking the same language. It just enhances all that. He's just more here. And so I actually wrote about him in one of my books. And that's actually how Nadia and I actually connected because I loved him so much. I wanted to honor him and, and tell 
everybody how much I loved him. Yeah, me too. Because I, I love him. <laughs> yeah, we, we love him, right? This is like an homage to my greatest teacher. And, um, you know, I, I'm so passionate about so many of the things that he was passionate about. And <laughs> he was the one who just really brought these concepts to my doorstep and made them so accessible and so easy to understand and apply to my life. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think I'll be talking about Wayne and I'll be talking about spirituality for the rest of my life. And, yeah. and I wouldn't have it any other way. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a calling. We're called to do this, but we're also community. Yeah. So he's our community. He's our, he's our mentor, our teacher. You know, I feel like you know, literally that he married me in spirit, like mm-hmm. in the sense of being married to me is, is the work because I asked him if he would do that. And you did the same, you, you know, you love him the same way. We love him the same way. Yeah. Common he, definitely, yeah. he definitely feels like family. Now, do you feel like he gives you guidance or does he suggest things for you to say? Like, how, how does that work for you? I just feel like, you know, when you're in a marriage that's really comfortable, like mm-hmm. I'm in a marriage that's very comfortable. A lot of times I sit with my husband and we don't even speak, but it's mm-hmm. like a comfortable pair of worn out moccasins. So I almost <laughs> feel like he's that kind of presence for me. He doesn't, I think if I was doing something wrong, I'm sure if I was doing something wrong and I, and I hear him when it's of ego, Tracy, that's ego, or you need to actually ask for forgiveness for that. You know, I'll hear those kind of things like my spouse would say to me, you know, that was really wrong or you might want to think about that or maybe you might want to watch your potty mouth here or whatever. I kind of hear him that way when I'm being not a naughty, when I'm being a bit naughty, but other, when I'm working in spiritual work with him, I sort of work the same way he did. He kind of, I kind of go into a trance and I just, he's with me in that. Just like his mentors and guides were with him. He's that for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, to feel that loving presence. And sometimes that's all we need. It's not always words. Um, yeah, I feel that too. Mm-hmm. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm grateful that even when people cross over, that they, you know, they're still around, they still witness our lives, and sometimes they participate in our lives. And I really feel like all the things that he was passionate about, that he was excited about when he was here in his human body, like mm-hmm. he was really on to something because he's still excited and he's still, mm-hmm. you know, he still ha- has that mission, I think, and loves sort of connecting with people who are, who are, um, not just who maybe read his books or listened to his talks, but people who are passionate about this kind of spiritual awakening and this this um, climbing that that ladder to freedom, that that space of 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 becoming like dying while you're still alive, right? Becoming aware to the fullness of who we really are, as much as we can understand it from here, and then mm-hmm. living from that place. What could be better he- than that? He, I love how you just said that it was so beautiful. Well, and I love that this is recorded because you need to hear what you just said. It was beautiful. <laughs> I'll play <But> it back. <laughs> he's also he's also one of the kindest, sweetest. So he taught me kindness. I I not mm-hmm. I don't want to even say how many things I pay forward because people that know what they know know that because I just literally just take things off and just pay that forward or if there's a you know I had this little boy yesterday I mean if I'm just when somebody needs something that's what he was so when I read that he went to the bank and he slipped that money under the tellers 
you know, because he knew that Teller needed that money, and he just did those kind of things. And I, any, I, I take, I do the same. I, I just work for call. It doesn't matter. I don't need that anymore. That person needs that. Or mm-hmm. you know, acts of kindness where you just slip something in, or you just do something really special. I mean, he taught me that. He teaches me that every day. Still in spirit, he teaches me that. And it doesn't just benefit other people because it connects us to this faith and abundance. It does. And when you're connected to the source of all that is, like, what what could you ever be missing? You know, what could ever be missing from your life when you're connected to all that is? And when we practice that, we feel it, we open to it, and more comes into our life. And all of the wealth and the abundance and the influence that came into his life you know, and it's just, he just recirculated it, right? Like yeah. he's sending it around, um, which is uh, an enormous opportunity, but also big responsibility. And I think yeah. he, he modeled so many things for us and for for his family. You know, his daughters are doing some beautiful things in the world. And um, I just love the impact that he had. And he, <laughs> he worked hard to get there. Like it didn't... Yes. It wasn't handed to him. He found his way there and and he shared what he got excited about. And I know that in, you know, in your own way, you're doing that. And in my own way, I'm yeah. doing that. And so many people are. And it brings us together. You know, if you if you want to find your tribe, you have to shine your light. You have to step mm-hmm. forward. And um, I think for me, that's that's been one of the biggest blessings uh, in my life is that when I stepped out and I was willing to kind of show up and be seen and and have a voice and talk about the things that I'm passionate about, it brought people into my life like I like I'd never had, like I'd never had before. So, and you're one of those people. So, thank you for being here. I feel the same way about you. Yeah, it was a ble- it's a ble- it's a blessing that we got to do this. And, and it was uh, time. It had to be perfect timing. So here we are. Now, I know you said you have published three books and you're yes. working on another one. Tell us more about yes. your, your new book. Well, the new book is, is um, <laughs> um, I was in the shower and um, Spirit said, you're going to write another book. And I had a fight with Source and I said, that's not happening. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> And the voice got Haven't louder. You learned it's it's not worth fighting it. <laughs> it's not. You know, you still got to kind of stick it in there, right? So I'm like, I was just, I just, I sighed and I heard the voice, and the voice said, um, "Source said to my heart." When I hear, I literally hear a voice on my heart, and the voice was, "The you're writing an you I, you need I you're writing another book." And the book is called Slow Dancing in Silence. Slow Dancing with Silence. Ooh. And I'm, <sighs> so I got the message. I got out of the shower and I, and I actually put it on the shelf for a couple of months. And I had, had a client for a while. She's lovely. She's growing in spirit. And she reached out to me and she's very shy. And she reached out to me a few months later, two or three months later. And this is normally what Source does to me. And she said to me, I'm an avid reader. I read all the time. Um, 
I think that I could be a really good editor. And she said, if you ever want to write another book, I'm asking if I could please edit your book. Could I do the pre-editing to your book? And I went, okay, God, I heard you. So because I, she's trying to grow and she needed to heal. And that spurned me to write the book. And the book, the book was written. This book is different than the other three books. The other three books, I invited a lot of people into the books, their stories, what they do. Uh, there's a lot of things in the other books. And this book is strictly really about... Um, just messages that I got from source and my experience in the chapters. So anyway, long story short, I gave it to this, I don't want to say her name because I want to keep her confidential for now. Um, and I don't have her permission, but she took the project and she just, the thing, here's the awesome thing about this, Nadia. Even if the book never gets published, she has healed so much from editing this book and, 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 getting what she needs to get into it and understanding it on the levels that she needs to understand it on that it's already done what it's supposed to have done. And I mean, if it goes out there and does others for others, that's wonderful, but she's actually written the forward to the book and she's even taken another step further for herself and, and put herself right out there and written and written the forward. So I can't wait to get back what she's, what she's done. And I already know that it's, it's already done the healing it was supposed to do. So we can only hope that it's going to go on and heal whoever else picks it up. Yeah. So God willing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we help each other and I think that's so important and things happen, um, just the way they're meant to at the time that it needs to happen. And the more that we can trust that, the more we can enjoy that journey instead of worrying about it. I'm guilty of worrying just like anybody mm -hmm. else. You yeah. know, I don't want people to think that I'm some ascended master. I certainly am not. Yeah. Um, but like these, you know, these things really help us when when we have these moments of remembering that that, for example, like what you talked about, it's not about what you accomplish. It's about who you become in the process. Yeah, absolutely. And like be, becoming the person who could write that book, who could take it all the way through and, and get it published or, or whatever yeah. it is for whatever, you know, whoever's listening, whatever music is in you, whatever you feel called to do. And it yeah. doesn't have to be a public thing. It can be a private thing. Um, but whatever you feel called to do, like, you know, if you just trust in that and know that yeah. even if you don't feel ready for it now, yeah. This this process is you growing and becoming. You know, he used to say self-actualized people must be what they can be. And mm -hmm. I've been thinking about that so much recently because sometimes I wonder like <laughs> um I'm busy enough with my life, right? Like I, I could simplify things, but what is it in me? What is it in me that is that is pushing me forward, that is calling me towards these things? And I think it's that. Like there's something in me, there's some potential, there's some path that's there. And mm -hmm. it's not about as much as I would love it to be about who I can reach and how I can be of service, I think it's really the secret is it's really about who I become mm -hmm. in the process just like you did I love how you said that and I am going to say this 
I think that you probably are an ascended master. So I wouldn't think that you're not. So well, we are I, all spiritual beings, right? but I am I am very human as well. <laughs> you are, but for you to have the degree of how you're speaking and what you're talking about, I would believe that you probably are more ascended than you may be giving yourself credit for because I well, think you're you. pretty you're pretty awesome. Um I do want to say that when you take the courage to write a book my first book was my story and I felt naked like the emperor's daughter in it um, and I was scared. My second book was more about how to do what I do. Like if you could just choose from my cup, my cup's so full, pick something so that you can have something in your cup so that I can get some more in my cup. Uh, my third book was the most challenging. It was really, I was, I used to have fear about everything, a lot of fear. And when I went to write this book, I was in a country by myself for two months that didn't speak English. There was, it wasn't, English wasn't the common language there. And I was in a big house and I was I literally scared to death, literally faced that dark energy. And literally, after I wrote the book, I had not one ounce, I don't have any fear anymore. It's completely gone. So I encourage anybody and everybody to write, to read, to do whatever it is they need to do because... There's a liberation in, in doing the work and going through the work. So I wrote the book. I wrote the books because I needed to write them, but I also wrote the, wrote the books because I was hoping that someone else might get a message from that to help them. Yeah. So that's why we do what we do, right? We help each other with that. And it may not be easy, but life is short. And when we look back, you know, I, I know there will be so many times that we'll look back in our life and we'll go, why didn't I just go for it? Or, mm -hmm. or why didn't I take that chance? And so we need to remind ourselves that, well, well, we're here that, you know, this is a temporary human experience. And, and Absolutely. we, we are courageous souls to come here and be humans and live in all this change that's happening in the world right now. So, mm -hmm. you know, whoever's listening, if you think that you're shy and you're afraid, I promise you, your soul isn't. Your soul is brave and courageous and ready for anything and is just waiting for you to say yes. Just say yes. You know, you don't have to know all the steps. You don't have to see all the way. You know, just take that first step and say yes and keep saying yes every day. And you won't even believe what can happen in your life. That was beautiful. Beautiful. I just, I, it just came over me. I just know there's someone who's going to be listening to this who needs to hear this. So, so, so true. you know who you are. Um, just now, say yes. Yes. Just say yes. Now, Tracy, what is the best way for people to reach you? The best way for people to reach me is um, probably my email or my website. My email is probably the best way. And it's uh, www dot innerspacejourney.com all one word innerspace journey um i do get texts as well but i you know if it's an email is usually the best way um i do have facebook messenger so i'm on facebook i have a couple of business i have a business page on facebook under tracy pagana mm -hmm. you could reach me there too you could message me there too but I'm not so techy, so I usually either see an email or a text more than I would sometimes see a messenger on my Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And so as we wrap up, 
I want to give you an opportunity. If you had one message that you could leave with everyone today, what would you say? I would say when you address the core of who you are in your truth, in your, in your total truth, and you address that truth, I would say if there's anything that you need to forgive yourself, please do. Forgive yourself and give it and release it with a big breath, even one big breath, just and give it to source. This allows you the opportunity to literally fall in love with yourself. I know that when you were little or there may be some someone that had said to you, you know, loving yourself is selfish. But truly, if you're not selfish first, you cannot be selfless for the world. If you do not know how to fall in love with you, you cannot give that love to anyone else. And so forgive yourself for whatever it is that's keeping you from falling in love with who you truly are as a human being, because you're magic, you're magic in every thought, in every action, in every word, in every sparkle of your eye. And that is who you are. You are love. You come from love. And that's what you're here to learn. Forgiveness is freedom. So true. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today. Thank you, Wayne, for bringing <laughs> us together. I know that he plays a role in this for sure. For all of the love and light that you brought, I feel it so much. And I know that people listening today will feel it too. For all our listeners, thank you for following Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life and telling your friends about it. The full video for this episode will be available for my subscribers on Patreon. You can get the link for that and more details about this podcast at NadiaDelaCruz.com. Until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Namaste. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.